Blog Talk Radio. I'll trust you. There was a story about a man who lost his child. He cherished that young one to the day he took his last breath. He was so special, you see, he had to fight all his days and nights. But daddy loved him anyway. I love him. His disease was only a phase. But something was bigger than the tears he cried. And only a father could hear the words that were unspoken. Even though he's in a better place. The thought still makes him cry all day That's when he looks up in the sky and says Oh God, I will trust you This may be the hardest thing for me to do But I will, I will trust you I know it's only a test but I want you to know I'll trust you It was all over He thought the pain would come no more Just when he thought that it was time to move on The stress kept piling on and on What can you do when your heart won't let you live? So I said, doctor, can you fix me? This is taking a toll, I'm in need of your experience To make me whole again Put me back together And why you working on me I will put my trust in the only one That knows better for me And I'll start by saying Lord I still trust you This may be the hardest thing for me to do But I will
Friday night, and this is Off the Chain. I'm your host, Yvonne Mason. I want to welcome each and every one of you to the show tonight. And as I tell y'all, it, it every show, it's not my show, it's your show. Y'all continue to make this show bigger and bigger and better and better. And for those of you that are new to the show and don't know, we're heard in over 200 countries and we have over 200,000 listeners when we include all the podcasts that this show goes up on. It goes up on SoundCloud and MixCloud and Spreaker and um, Stitcher. It goes up on Podcast.com, Podcast Garden, iTunes, YouTube, Reverb Nation, two shows on iHeartRadio, and we're just everywhere, and it's it's all because of all of y'all, and I appreciate it so, so very, very much. There are two ways to get on this show, ladies and gentlemen. One, you can come on as a guest, and right now we are booked up through February. So if you want to get on before the last part of next year, you need to get in contact with me now, or you can become a sponsor for the show, and I, I'm not going to get rich with sponsorships because that's not my intent. My intent is to give you exposure so that you can be heard in places you might not be heard, like Egypt and Iran and Japan and those places. Contact me at Off the Chain Radio at yahoo.com, and I will tell you how to do both of those things. And I want to welcome two new sponsors to the show. Um, Howard Levine has a new book called Fred Cadici's niece is dead, one of thousands of victims of a terrorist attack which has been laid at the feet of Islamic radicals by a right-wing U.S. government. Frank, based on a chance encounter, is one of the very few people who question the government's explanation. He is a Vietnam veteran who wants nothing more than to live without further controversy or conflict. Can he and his grieving brother, Rob, a detective with the NYPD, obtain the necessary evidence to uncover the truth in the face of scorn and incredibility? I cannot talk. Can they overcome their long-term estrangement to work together, given that they are putting their lives in danger? And last gasp, a novel that resonates with today's politics, the answer to these questions unfold in a way that mingles personal and societal issues and intertwines the past and present while moving relentlessly forward. That is Last Gasp by Howard Levine. Amy Lyle also has been on this show, ladies and gentlemen, and she is a comedian and an actor who lives in Atlanta. She has a unique outlook on life. Most people hide their failures, but Amy wrote an entire book about hers called It's the Book of Failures. The book opens with I had been married for 20 years, not to the same people, but 20 years nonetheless. The book talks about relationships, how hard it is to blend a family, and just funny failures of everyday life. The reason it's been a bestseller for over a year is that it is so relatable. Everybody needs more laughter in their lives. Buy it for yourself, for a friend, or even an enemy who's going through a hard time. The Book of Failures is available at Barnes & Noble on Amazon as a paperback, ebook, or audible. The Book of Failures by Amy Lyle. Get it on Amazon. Australia, thank you very, very much. You have put author Diane Mote on, as your number one bestseller on, your, um, on Amazon in Australia. She writes a series of books called the Sam Holden Series, and Sam Holden is indeed our favorite vigilante. The third book in the series, Dog Bones, has just been released. 
Sam's quest to avenge abused animals is threatened when the FBI comes after her on one side and the commissioner wants her dead on the other. Will Sam's life be, double life be exposed? Will she be able to protect the animals, her friends, and herself? Check out Dog Bones by Diane Moat everywhere ebooks are sold. And if you haven't started the series yet, be sure to begin with Dog Gone by Diane Moat for free on Amazon. Jay Traveler Pelton, who has also been on the show, has released two new books, Tie Dante Strategium. People are so happy about the destruction of the anti-fertility virus that they want Kai to run for president. The Oberlins are back and are successful in diverting the virus that is destroying the fertility of the populace. But in return, Sanctuary is attacked and the family members are scattered to fight radiation sickness alone. Given only a strange point to use, will Kai and Michael, her brother, figure out the puzzle before they all die? Who in the family will survive to destroy the tyrant running the Brotherhood? She also has released Clan Falconer's War, which is a fantasy set in the future medieval times after the big war. Lucian thought that as the youngest son of the manor, his future would be as simple as a landowning farmer who raised good horses and went up to the manor to visit the family for holidays. After all, there were seven brothers older than he with much more entitlement to the inheritance. However, through a massacre and magic, his simple acceptance of a quiet life was going to come to a roaring end as he ends up leading the forces of his clan and the kingdom against an evil greater than any wizard had ever faced, an evil led by his own brothers. Will he, his clan, and Falcon Crest survive the war? That's Kai Dante's Strategium and Clan Falconer's War by J. Traveler Pelton, also on Amazon. And with that, we are going to get started on our show, which is an amazing show. I ran across this young man, and when I did, I said, mm, I have to have him on the show. And and when I made up my mind to get him on the show, I then contacted, and y'all all know and love her, my friend and fellow author, Julie Morgan, to come and co-host with me. Because we both share a common love of children and adults who are unique because they are some of the most brilliant, beautiful minds in the world. And my guest tonight is living proof of this. Author Ronnie Sidney II is a Virginia native. He is an award-winning author and a licensed therapist. Now, pay attention to that sentence, ladies and gentlemen. He is an award-winning author and a licensed therapist. In third grade, Ronnie... The author therapist was diagnosed with a learning disability and spent seven years in special ed. His early academic challenges ignited a passion with him to pursue social justice and to work with the youth. After graduating Virginia Commonwealth University in 2014, Ronnie went on to self-publish Nelson Beats the Odds, Tamika's New Dress, Nelson Beats the Odds, Come. Compendium 1, I can't talk, Rest in Peace, Roshan and Rest in Peace, Roshan Reloaded. In 2015, he developed the Nelson Beats, the odds comic creator self-esteem app. I can barely work my apps, but to develop one, I love this man already. Ronnie has been featured on Fox and Friends Weekend, Michael L.A., NPR, Teak.com, BuzzFeed, Read It, and NBC 12 News. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, 
welcome my co-host, Julie Morgan, and my guest, the wonderful, 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 creative and talented Ronnie Sidney II. Ronnie, welcome to the show. Hello. How is everyone doing tonight? We are fine. Julie, thank you, honey, for coming and playing with us tonight. Oh, I'm always here to come play. <laughs> <laughs> so, Julie, do you do you want to start off or do you want me to start off? You go ahead, honey. Okay. What I want to know, Ronnie, because I, I do it, Julie will tell you, when, when my guests come on the show, I do deep dives on them because that's my background. And I find out all of the little nuggets that most people don't even think about when they interview somebody. I want to go back into your childhood, and and I want to talk just a minute about young Ronnie and how it felt to be, as they love to say in our society, labeled with all of these things behind your name and and basically treated like a second-class citizen. And you already had the uniqueness about you. How did that make you feel? I would say the main thing was probably isolated, and I really felt um, felt alone. Uh, I didn't feel like anybody could understand, you know, what I was going through. I didn't feel comfortable talking about what I was going through, uh, partly because I was ashamed and also because I really didn't understand what I was going through. And, um, you know, I always saw myself as intelligent, and I always had my parents also affirm that. So to be placed in special education and not really identifying yourself as learning disabled sort of caused some confusion. Uh, But for the most part, I really, you know, once I got older and I got about sixth and seventh grade, I actually started becoming conscious of being, you know, in special education. Whereas when I was in elementary school and I would go to special education, I didn't see it as a bad thing. It was almost like a reward because I was able to, you know, get out of class with the other kids and go with a small group, you know, with the teaching and work privately. So, but it wasn't until I got older that I started to feel more stigmatized and, um, you know, the label, which I didn't really even know until I graduated high school, um, what I was, you know, diagnosed as, um, but it it really started to impact my self-esteem. And that's a shame that, that, and Julie will tell you how passionate I get about this. Because when when we put labels on people and when we put them in a box, we retard their creative ability, retard their social skills, we retard their self-esteem, and we are become part of the problem and not the solution. And I am so, so sorry that happened to you because... You deserved better. I agree 100%. Julie, doesn't that make your blood boil? It does. And you made a good point saying that you're basically put into a box. Our goal as parents, our goal as protectors and advocates is to pull the lid off that box and pull you out of it because you don't belong in there. You belong out Mm -hmm. with everybody else. And what gets me the most 
is when people look at my daughter and say, well, she doesn't look autistic. Well, what does autism look like? Let's break it down. What does it look like? It's arm stemming. It's not looking directly in the eyes. It's repetitive movements. It's, you know, repetitive things that they may say or do, but everybody's different. There's not been one case that's been the same, not one. And claiming to find a cure is like chasing a moving target. I hope one day that they do. And more and more children are getting diagnosed every single day with new tests and new theories and new, 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 new stuff that they didn't have 15, 20, 30 years ago, not even five years ago. And it's alarming the rates that are coming in. Like with my daughter's school, she attends a special needs school. You have to have some sort of diagnosis to even attend this school. So nobody of the quote-unquote normal collaborator can actually go there. And it, there's children there that just blow me away with how smart they are. There's some that are completely nonverbal, and they don't talk at all, but they have ways to communicate. And it's, it, it drives me crazy when I see people put boxes around them or try to shame them to put them to the side of, you know, well, my child doesn't need to ride the same bus as that child. Well, my child rides the same bus as your child. They ride the same bus. They go to the same place. They use the same toilet. Shut your mouth. (laughs) So, Ronnie, let me ask you this, darling. When when they – and here we are back to the labels again. When the stupidity of our society gave you this label of having a learning disability, it was a lie. You don't have a learning disability. You're probably smarter than most of the people that tried to teach you. What they don't understand is that your brain is in hyper overdrive all the time. It never shuts down. Would that be a fair statement? Yeah, it, it definitely never shuts down. And um, I would also say my mouth, my mouth has always been an issue. It, it never shuts down too. <laughs> And um, my mom used to always create a lot of distractions in the classroom. And um, I've always been one to, like, do a lot of the the challenge things. And I was a very challenging student, um, you know, despite the disabilities, just behaviors and a bunch of other things. But I found that as an adult, you know, all of those things really helped drive me and and make me successful, Um, you know, with the ADHD. You know, it's... Sometimes I try to multitask, and I can do about 60% well. The other 40% I won't do too well. (laughs) But that 60% I do really, really well. So when I can hyper-focus on something, like with the books, and I can just expend all my energy into that, you know, I I dive in and and I do a wonderful job. But if I'm asked to do, like, five different things, I don't always do such a wonderful job. But, you know, having the energy and I tell, you know, especially kids, you know, when you have to work so hard being young just to keep up with your classmates where, you know, you have kids in your class who don't study and get straight A's and you might have to study, you know, a whole week just to get a B. Once you get older in life, that working hard, sort of that work ethic that you develop, you know, young it really helps you when you get older because people don't always work to their full potential. And, you know, with kids who have those challenges, a lot of times they're working, you know, double hard, sometimes triple hard just mm-hmm. to, you know, reach their potential. But it's, it's really a gift. And I'm 
you know, really thankful for my experiences, and I really see it, you know, as a blessing, and, and it's, it's something that, you know, I had to go through in order to, you know, be a be a service, you know, to others. And and you just said something, Ronnie, that that resonates with I know myself, and I'm pretty sure with Julie, and that you have embraced you. There's nothing wrong with you. It's society that's stupid. You have embraced the uniqueness of you, and you take that uniqueness, you make it work for you. And this is what every one of us in society need to do, because this is what I tell people all the time. We are all unique in our own way. And when we understand that, and we understand that we as human beings have something to offer, and we embrace that uniqueness of us, we can go beyond the sky. I mean, look at you. You graduated from college, and I'm sure there were a bunch of people that said that would never happen because you ran your mouth too much and you couldn't sit still and you can't do this and you can't pay attention and yada, 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 yada. So I want to thank all those people for telling you you couldn't because you proved them all wrong. Yeah, I definitely like hey, to Ronnie. thank them too. <laughs> I Ronnie, big shout out to everybody. I have a story. Go ahead, Jill. I have a story to tell you, Ronnie. When I remember being in first grade, I was a talker. No matter what you could do, I would not shut up. I remember this clearly. Talking, 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 talking. We had little paper mice with paper cheese. Whoever had the most holes at the end of the school year wins. Basically, you don't get in trouble, you get a hole punch. I did not have one hole punch. My entire cheese block was solid. And then my teacher decided, we're going to move you in the back of the classroom because you talk too much. Okay, you can move me. It's not going to stop me from talking. (laughs) And I remember telling her that. It's not going to stop me from talking. But, you know, my daughter picked up that trait from me. She is a talker. And she will talk to anybody. She's talked to Yvonne on the phone, you know. Uh She will talk to anybody. She'll just walk up and be like, hey, what's your name? John. Well, hey, John. Where'd you get your shirt? I like it. Uh, I don't know. Walmart? Cool. Who's your favorite Mario Kart racer? And just starts a conversation. She's all about Mario Kart right now. But she starts a, a conversation about anything. And they just smile and look at her, you know. And one of them said, is she special needs? Like, what made you think that? Well, because a normal kid would not ask these questions. Yeah, really? <laughs> you know, and, and we both had a chuckle about it. And I said, yeah, actually she is. And he, he told me kids could take points from her for being so approachable and being nice and not just – you know, I'm, I'm going to pretend like I'm shy and just not talk to you. And so. adults could take points from her, too. Ronnie, let mm-hmm. me ask you this. What made you decide, because I can hear the, the naysayers dancing around in my head, what made you decide, after all you went through, the isolation, the low self-esteem, because your life could have gone a couple of different ways. You could be one of the statistics that's in prison right now because about 80% of our population is filled with people with quote-unquote disabilities that A, never got diagnosed and B, never got embraced or whatever and pointed in the right path or become like you and embrace you and say, I've got this, I can do this. What made you pass to Become a therapist, become an educator, become an author. I mean, those are all beautiful, beautiful journeys. 
I would say um, three. Well, I would say three. You know, different levels of support. I would first, I'd say my parents. Um, I was blessed, you know, to have you know two parents, um, two loving parents who were both professionals. My father was a police officer and a minister, and my mother was a nurse. And you know, to see my parents become successful, and they had their struggles as kids. Like my mother, she had failed a grade as a kid, and my dad didn't graduate high school. But as adults, you know, I was able to see them, you know, graduate college and to enter, you know, that profession of choice. And I'm also had an older sister who went to college, and she was like the straight A student, perfect student. And here I am, paling in comparison, you know, to her. But also having friends who were focused on wanting to go to college and having, you know, a really special special education teacher who I included in my book named Ruth Toby, who was always supportive. And I even invited her to my college graduation. And, um, you know, she and she encouraged me to tell my story. And it's a story that, you know, I was very embarrassed about telling. I didn't tell my friends I was in special education until I, you know, graduated high school. I was so embarrassed, but, you know, I felt that growing up, you know, I, I sort of wrote a book that I wish I had when I was a kid. You know, I didn't have any books or movies really focusing on kids with learning disabilities, particularly like the hidden disabilities, like, you know, maybe autism or ADHD or dyslexia, um, you know, kids who people see, oh, this kid is normal. And, you know, even though you even though you look normal, your brain is rewired a little differently than other people but you know having those supports and seeing those examples and those role models I almost felt like if I didn't become successful then I was was a failure so um you know just seeing that and really knowing who I was um identifying the, the strengths in myself despite what other people thought always kept me hopeful and with that because I want to come back to that after the break. We're going to pay some bills and we're going to we're going to come back to that because that is very 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 important on many many levels. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Off the Chain. I'm your host Yvonne Mason with my co-host, the beautiful beautiful friend and author of mine, Julie Morgan, and my guest, the the talented, successful light shining on a hill author and licensed therapist Ronnie Sidney II, and this man's story is so inspiring, so you do not want to go away. You want to stay for the second half, and we will be right back. Best-selling and award-winning author of true crime and crime fiction, Yvonne Mason is back with a brand new book, The Pink Canary, a book that delves into the life of a drag queen and a marvelous whodunit. You can find this and all of Yvonne's other works on Amazon.com. Or find Yvonne Mason on Facebook and Twitter. You're gonna kill me. Buy your copy of Pink Canary now. Do you have cougars on your porch swing? Our horse is your new best friend. Do your nicest shoes get buried knee deep in snow as your toes turn blue? Are you bothered by wolves at your woodpile? No, not that kind of wolf. Join wildlife artist and author Nancy Quinn and her family as they discover an exciting new life in Go West, Young Woman, a true Montana adventure. Available online and in bookstores. 
or visit quinwildlifeart.com for a personalized signed copy. Critics agree, it's a hoot. This is Jade. And this is Winona. Wow, it's been a busy summer. Yes, we have new books. I think we have a new audio book. And I thought Divorce Was Bad with Other Life Lessons. Why is that title such a mouthful? I don't know, but you can hear that mouthful on Audible and on iTunes now. And that will take you through Life Changes, the highs and lows of it through pop poetry and the literary life guide. So remember to check us out. And no, I don't mean a once over, but then my narcissism said, well, maybe check me out once. And then look at the rest of the website at andrewthought.com. You can check out the podcast and the YouTube channel and everything that we're doing on that website, andwethought.com, just in case you didn't get it the first time. Oh, my goodness. So we're going to say bye from Winona and Jade and our website. Okay, is this going to be like a running gag? Yup. Andwethought.com. Bye-bye. Germany, 1938. Charlotte, a young girl of 15, wanders into Georg's cobbler's shop to have her shoes repaired. Georg, enamored by Charlotte's charm and grace, decides then and there that he's going to marry her. But they must keep their love a secret from family, friends, and, most importantly, the Nazis. Follow along as Georg's pursuit of the young Charlotte results in the couple traveling a heart-stopping, winding route to stay one step ahead of the Gestapo in their escape from Nazi Germany, with a surprising twist along the way. If you like history and romance, don't miss Good Things Always Happen in Springtime by Joanne Fisher, available at www.joannesbooks.com. Juliana is a middle-aged housewife in Toronto with a career, a husband, that has little interest in her well-being, and three children. In the evenings, she gets on her computer and chats with people around the world. When she gets involved with Aaron and Bobby, her life becomes a pinball, bouncing around her husband, her job, her children, and her two online friends. She's bewitched by the romantic poetry of Aaron. But the honesty and kindness of Bobby bring her all the way to California. Watch for the ironic twist of fate that takes her in a direction she never expected. If you like spicy romances, don't miss With All of Me by Joanne Fisher. Available at www.joannesbooks.com Fiore is a young Italian woman engaged to be married but her plans are interrupted by a charismatic Sebastian, a handsome middle-aged Spanish businessman. Her beauty strikes him like a thunderbolt sent by the goddess Venus herself. When she's given a peculiar gift, a Spanish doll, she's thrown into a whirlwind of entangled passion, money, secrets, and love. Their romance sparks in a charming little Italian town located on the southern part of Lake Garda in northern Italy and takes them around the globe. What happens when her life is suddenly shattered by a lifelong secret? Her Spanish doll will bring you to a caliente Spain and a romantic Italy, adding some spice along the way. Available at www.joannesbooks.com. And we are back. This is Off the Chain. I'm your host, Mason. Uh, 
co-host, the wonderful, beautiful, lovely author and friend, Julie Morgan, and our guest who just blows me away. I mean, we could all take lessons from this young man. His name is Ronnie Sidney II. He is a licensed therapist and an award-winning author. And if that doesn't make him unique enough, he did it while he was labeled with all these labels society throws on people that have their own brand of gifts. Ronnie, before we went to the break, we were talking about that you looked around your family and and saw the successes they were making, and you knew that you had to find a path of success or else you would be a failure. And I have a mantra that I use, and, and that mantra is, if we don't try it, that's what makes us a failure. You did more than try it. You went out and you grabbed it and you owned it and you didn't let anyone stand in your way. And and for you to do that, knowing that there would be those doubters out there, that says something for not only your character, but it says something for the family unit and then the encouragement they gave you. And would it be fair to say that in our society that children who are quote-unquote labeled don't always get that support and encouragement? And that's why they sometimes take a different path. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, sometimes, too, because I, I, I grew up in a rural area, I'm a small town, and, you know, a lot of the individuals never, you know, left outside of the town and, you know, never had that experience of knowing that, you know, life has more to offer, um, not just, you know, in terms of things to see, but also different occupations. And, you know, again, my father, he was from, you know, bigger, from Petersburg, Virginia, and he had been in the military, so he'd been all around the world, and he made sure that he introduced me to different places. Uh, we would travel and you know, take vacations. So I was able to see the world being larger than Tappahannock. And, you know, I think that also helped me because it gave me, you know, some idea that my situation here in Tappahannock isn't, you know, a situation that, you know, I have to become accustomed to and I have to sort of settle for. Um, whereas some of the other people I went to school with or kids who was in my special education class, you know, their parents didn't have the same, you know, approach to education or even have the same, you know, history, you know, as my family. And, and I think, you know, as far as, you know, an author and, you know, the co-host is an author, and I think sometimes with books and literacy, it sort of gives people a different reality, um, a reality that is, is different than theirs. Um, you know, so with me, resilience is a huge part or a huge thing I like to talk about. Um, and it's a big theme in my books because, you know, despite all of the things we go through, you know, it's always something that we can learn from each other's experiences. And those, you know, tools that we learn, um, we need to use them to help drive us through, you know, the rough times in life. And I think in school, you know, I graduated with a 1.8 GPA, but I can say that, you know, when it came to resilience, you know, I was an A-plus student, <laughs> But not, it didn't Absolutely. necessarily reflect so much in the in the academics. <laughs> so, Julie, if if would you agree with with our statement if your youngin hadn't been exposed to 
the, the things in the world. And if she hadn't been um, the word accepted and, and, and y'all said, okay, world, here is this beautiful child. You either accept her or you don't. It's your loss that she would not have come as far as she has come because there was a time she wasn't even communicate. She wouldn't even communicate. Am I correct? That's, that's correct. Yeah. When we first, uh, Ronnie, when we first had her diagnosed, she had learned responses. She wasn't talking. It was just a learned response, you know, kind of like, what do you want for dinner? Chicken nuggets, mac and cheese. Didn't matter what the meal was. That was the answer. What did you do today in class? Watched movies, played on the swing. That's all she would ever say. Because most of the time, it's, that is what she did. But she didn't have another answer. And when we started with the diagnosis phase of it, the first mm-hmm. condition that came back was epilepsy. And and they said she can't have epilepsy. Nobody in my family has epilepsy. How the hell can she have epilepsy? And they said it's in there. Okay, well, let's do another test because I don't believe you. So they did another test, and sure enough, it was there and it was all over the place. And the main part of it was sitting over the speech and cognitive development, which made so much sense to me, more so now than at the moment in time when it happened. But it made a lot of sense of why she wasn't talking and communicating. So starting on medication, she slowly started talking. Her personality started coming out. Rather than just sitting in the corner and staring at you, she's now like a bumbling bubble of giggles and just running around and playing pretend and playing Mario Kart. Lord help me, Mario Kart is just, you know, all over the place. She's 11 years old, sometimes going on 16. Other times 11 years old, going on 7. Just depends on the moment in time. But, you know, as her parent, I have to advocate for her still. And there's still things I have to do for her that she's still not able to do. You know, like some personal hygiene things, I still have to take care of for her. And I don't mind doing that because I'm her mother. And a very good friend of mine told me when she was first diagnosed, there's nothing wrong with her. She's absolutely perfect. Nothing's changed. It's just the circumstances around her have changed. And you get the best gift of all. You get to see the world through her eyes. And I've never looked at it the same after that. And that's what I needed to hear. And I wanted to point something on that you had said earlier you wrote a book that you felt that you needed when you were younger, and I absolutely agree with that. There's so many adults out there that were either diagnosed without any help or some that have never been diagnosed, and they need these books. They need to understand that they're not alone, and it's, it's so disheartening to see people that walk around day in and day out in this fog, um, like um, Temple – Temple, oh my gosh, I can't think of her last name, but uh, you know who I'm talking about with Temple. She did her study Temple. with the cows. Thank you. Yes, Temple Grandin. She did her study with the cows. And to see what she's come up with and to understand how these cows work, you know, they took her plans and, and it's just made this night and day difference with these cows, just with what she saw as a pattern. And to watch the mindset of somebody with autism or with some uh, learning disability or whatever the issue is. Walking into a store like Walmart, it's like overlaying a layer of static and you can't hear anything. You know, imagine that happening to you anywhere you go where there's a lot of people. I have anxiety, so me going to large crowds bothers me already. But for someone like my daughter having to fight through that, I can't let her go. She clings to me, and I don't, I don't mind that. I'm, I'm always there for her. But it's something that most people don't understand, and they'll never understand that. 
that these are some of the difficulties that they'll face every single day of their life. And my husband and I have actually set up a plan for her for when she becomes an adult, because we won't be here forever to help take care of her. I don't know if she'll ever get married and have children. So if she doesn't, you know, we've got a plan in place for her to live in an assistive care facility. That's someone that can help her with financial decisions. Because I can't trust right now she'd be able to do that. You know, so it's these long-term things that people don't think of with their children being young. What's going to happen to them once they're grown? You know, some of these are things that we as a, as their parents and those that are that have been in, been in this field, documented about it, studied it, need to have an understanding of what's next. That's something I feel is really missing from this community is next steps and what's next. What can we do to make sure they're successful when parents are no longer here? That's something I really feel is missing. And, and that's a great point. I mean, I, I think that transition stage is, is very scary. I know when I graduated okay. high school, I was terrified. You know, I didn't know what I was going to do. I didn't really have a plan. You know, the school didn't really prepare me. Um, I didn't know what a GPA was until 12th grade. So when I found out I had a 1.8 GPA, I didn't quite know what that was until I started looking at colleges, and I realized that colleges wanted much more. So, you know, I I joined the National Guard, then I later didn't want to do that anymore. Um, you know, I couldn't get into any universities. So, you know, I did the next best thing and just tried community college. And I tell people that was probably the best decision I've ever made because it really started to build that academic confidence, which I never had through all my life. And I was able to see that I could succeed in college. And then I decided to transfer to a, into a four-year university. And I started to realize I could do the work there. Um, I started to get involved in on-campus activities. Um, so it was, it was really a process, but I think, you know, with kids with disabilities, you really got you really have to start off at the, you know, the smallest, the easiest level because I know mm-hmm. when I went into college, I didn't tell them that I had a disability because I wanted to do it on my own and I didn't want to be judged. I didn't want to be labeled. I wanted to go into college and not have any of that. And, you know, luckily for me, I succeeded, but I know some other people in my classes who didn't succeed because they were unwilling to accept, you know, help and accept support and unwilling to recognize some of the signs that, hey, you might need to go to the writing lab. And sometimes I had to do that myself, or sometimes you may need to get some additional tutoring or to do different things to, you know, improve yourself academically because it can get overwhelming, you know, taking 15 to 18 credit hours in a Uh semester. But really, understanding, yeah, that's even you know, for a normal person. That's and I mean normal. Yeah. I mean that yep. very lightly. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, because yeah. it's normal. <laughs> you know, not me. Yeah, what's normal? I mean, that's not me. <laughs> we but, are. You know, I think, oh, and, and I think too, you know, there's a tremendous amount of pride. You know, a lot of times people don't really recognize or understand that kids with disabilities have a lot of pride, and you know. I feel like the handicap comes in when when other people assume that we're incapable of doing things and then we start buying into that, that we can't do it, and that can't really becomes a crutch. And that crutch is really what becomes a handicap. And, you know, for me, I've always had this this pride about myself, and I think that's what really – 
kept me afloat. Um, it's, even when I was in special education, the teacher used to give me that work. I was like, this work is too easy. I don't want it. You know, this is just easy work, baby work. You know, I never, you know, accepted that. You know, I never accepted that this is my lot in life. You know, I've always just had this pride. And sometimes it can be a detriment because you don't, you know, know when to sort of harness it and, and, to, and to, you know, to understand that, hey, this might be too tough for you. You know, you think you can take on any challenge. But, you know, for the most part, I would say that's what, you know, helped me become successful, just having this pride about myself. You know, and 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 being willing to you know accept any any challenges that came my way. Well, you know, I think Ron, a lot Ronnie, of it also. Go ahead, go ahead Julie. Ron. Well, I was just going to tell him that it he, is finding. <laughs> <laughs> that, this is we do this all the time. Okay. <laughs> so I think a lot of it is finding the right teacher that recognizes what you need and what to do to help make you successful rather than finding a teacher that just wants to coddle you. And it's no slap against them for wanting to coddle. You know, it's some of them know what to do, where to pick up, what to do here, what to do there. And, you know, doing it for them, you know, rather than engaging them and challenging them and having them do it on their own. And I can tell you without a doubt, the teacher my daughter has this year is that teacher. She's challenging her. And the teacher she had last year, Leanna, my daughter, felt like, well, everybody else is getting help in this classroom. I want help too. Damn it. I'm not going to do it. And she doesn't cuss, but I swear to you, that was in her head. I'm going to do it too. Damn it. I'm going to do it. So she, you know, just refused to do the work because if everybody gets help, I'm going to get help. And the teacher could not get her to do it on her own. But the teacher this year, she's like, oh, I have no part of that. You are going to do the work on your own. I know you're capable. When you're done, you let me know. And she would walk away. And my daughter's like, all right, teacher's spoken. <laughs> and she's doing it. Done and started doing it. And she's got straight A's right now. And I'm seeing the work that's coming in that she's doing. And there's little notes on there, whether it's a group effort or whether it's done independently. And nine times out of ten, the work coming home is independent work that she did on her own. I didn't get that last year. So it's just, it's really a lot of the teacher. And I love the teacher she has this year. She's new to the school. And I certainly hope she stays. But, I mean, they, there's, it's so much with the teachers. And they need a much higher salary than what they're getting paid for what they're doing Absolutely. with our kids. Oh, my so gosh. So, Rodney, <laughs> you understand, Rodney, that you, and, and you're up there among some of the most notable people in our world you were up there with Einstein and um, several of the presidents writers because I guarantee you if you haven't already had your IQ done that your IQ is is over the charts so when people label other people they do a disservice because no one knows just how smart someone else is. Not only are you book smart, you are common sense smart. And I bet that you, you know that because your, your family taught you that, that it, all the book smartness in the world isn't worth a hill of beans if you can't apply it to everyday living. And for you to take that step, and say, okay, 
this this work is boring. And it's boring Because they labeled you, they put you in special ed because they thought you were dumber than a bag of rocks. You outsmarted them all, and I love you for it. <laughs> You're amazing. And and to be able to put that to practical use, there are so many people that could take lessons from you, Ronnie, and understand that they are only limited by their own imagination. And I bow right. to you, my friend. So, Ronnie, if I can ask a question, what is an outlet for you? Like for my daughter, it's dance. It really opened her up and opened her mind a lot learning to dance. What was an outlet for you growing up? Um, well, first I would like to thank Yvonne. Yvonne is, like, really awesome, and I need to maybe talk to you every day just to get that extra motivation. <laughs> Anytime, <laughs> my friend. Anytime. My head is, like, I mean, can you imagine like, waking up every day to Yvonne and be like, go, go, you're awesome. <laughs> Everybody loves you. Go. I'll probably be on book 10. I'll be on book 10 right now. <laughs> but I would say, um, for me, definitely, like, poetry and it used to be writing rap songs, but now it's more poetry. I just, you know, I I love to like, express myself, and I think writing like poetry is sort of a challenge because you're having to, you know, rhyme, have a rhyme scheme, and you know, really when I write poetry, it really gives me because I like to use metaphors and imagery, so I'm able mm-hmm. to sort of be more abstract with my ideas, and sometimes I teach myself and learn more about myself when I write poetry. Because it's a lot of um, you know processing and it's a lot of reflection, so I really found you know writing poetry to be very you know a helpful outlet for me to express myself. And I think I used to host an open mic at in college, and I think that was like the first time I ever talked about my disability publicly. And um, you know now with writing books, you know it's given me a, even a, a bigger platform to do that, um, and I have a wonderful um, illustrator, Tracy Von Wagner, and her husband, and they really just help bring, you know, what I write on paper to life. And, you know, with with those experiences, and I try to write books now that are not just relatable to me, but relatable to others, because I think it's important that individuals see themselves and see their experiences reflected in books. So, you know, I think writing has always been just a really creative way for me to express, you know, myself and, you know, being in social work and really just taking it a step further and and being an advocate and, you know, raising awareness on those issues is really giving me another um, outlet to, you know, not just express how I feel, but use it in a way to help others um, become successful. And you know what That's makes great. you know what makes Ronnie's line of work even more special being a licensed therapist. Now, mm-hmm. people go to school for years and years and years and years to become professional in all of these labels. And more times than not, they don't know what the hell they're talking about because all they have is book learning. Ronnie lives it every single day. He can relate to these children on a level that no matter how much book learning somebody else might have, they cannot relate because they don't take that journey. That's what makes him, 
that's what makes his uniqueness so special. That is his purpose. Thank God for Ronnie. And it, now, it, see, it, Ronnie, it, you're it, right. It, we need to wake up to a little bit of Yvonne every day with that right there. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what, Yvonne? It's, 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 you know, one way it's good, but in other ways it's, it's tough because you see the barriers and you know what the kids go through and you know what the, you know, now as a parent, I know what the parents go through. And I'm thinking about, you know, I used to be really resentful towards my parents and saying, why did you put me in special education? Did you not believe in me? You know, this is, you know, these people, they're judging me. And, you know, as I got older, I realized the good intention and what they were doing. And, you know, they really felt like being in that program, you know, could help me succeed. And at one point it was very, it was very helpful for me. But as I got older, you know, it became something that was sort of um, keeping me from different opportunities. And special education has changed and adapted over the years, and I see that it's becoming more inclusive. But, you know, the time that I was in it, you know, they weren't letting special education students take foreign language classes. You know, they weren't putting you in academically challenging, you know, classes. They were sort of putting putting you in the the resource rooms or the more self-contained classrooms and it was almost like once you get in there, it was almost impossible to get out. Uh, but, you know, now with, you know, and I know in Virginia there's a really big push by the Department of Education to make classrooms more inclusive. And I think that is, you know, where we need to be in society is that, you know, we need to become an inclusive society. And, you know, we need to put students, you know, in a special school or in a special room away from other students because I think the biggest detriment is that, Students who we say are quote unquote neurotypical, they don't have that experience of of seeing other children who learn differently or children who look differently or behave differently, and they sort of grow grew up in this world where they're sheltered from that. And I think that's really what leads to the teasing and the picking and the bullying, and some kids feeling suicidal, is because there's there's, there's this wall, and sometimes it's an invisible wall where when someone is different or behaves differently, we judge them and, and tease them instead of making, you know, the kids aware. So when I go to schools and speak and do assemblies, you know, I'm inviting kids up who have disabilities and I'm, and I'm having them talk about it. And I talk about ADHD in a way, you know, in my book and also publicly that, you know, we all have some type of ADHD symptom. You know, it's just that some kids have a lot more symptoms. Their symptoms are much more intense. But, you know, we all, you know, in terms of autism, you know, sometimes you know, I find myself stemming, um, but just finding ways to make the different, you know, learning styles or the different, you know, abilities sort of, you know, normal. Um, you know, because a lot of times with kids, especially kids with autism, you know, they have these twice exceptional learners where you have these kids who are really brilliant, you know, who have Asperger's and autism, and they're really creative, really artistic, you know, have great memories. But a lot of times we just want to focus on sometimes the behaviors, you know, the biting or the hitting, and not really focus on some of the genius and some of the greatness that the kids, you know, have to offer. And with that, with that, we are running out of time. So I know you said you will come back because we're going to pick this up again. You now belong to Off the Chain, my friend. You will become a regular on this show because this is very, very important. But for the time being, will you tell the folks where you can be found and where your wonderful books can be found? Yes. Uh, my books are available on Amazon. You could also uh, 
uh, log into www.nelsonbeastiodds.com. You can Google me, Ronnie Sydney, the second, or Ronnie Sydney II on uh, Google, and you'll pull up some articles and videos. I'm on, I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. You can find me there, Ronnie Sydney II. Um, also Instagram. Uh, definitely stay in contact because I'm. You know, I, I enjoy talking. I enjoy socializing. I enjoy learning. So if you have any ideas or any, you know, advice or if you have any questions, definitely hit me up on social media. I'm very receptive. And, Ronnie, anytime you need a, an uplifting or swift kick in the ass, just send me a message or throw something up on Facebook because I will oblige you, my dear, because I am so proud of you and I am so honored to be have you on this show and to be a part of your life now it's 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 beyond words julie thank you my darling for for co-hosting and offering your input tell the folks where you can be found and where your books can be found okay so um i'm on amazon Barnes and noble all the all the sales sites you can also find me at juliemorgandbooks.com and um there's so much coming soon and I wanted to touch base real quick on something Ronnie said when you were writing your poetry that, you know, you can get into the darker parts of yourself. Yvonne and I tap into the darker parts of ourselves every time we open a book and write. <laughs> yes, we do. Yes, we do. It's always there. It's like, oh, that's, that's bad. And that came for me. <laughs> <laughs> and we loved every minute of it. So it's all good. We loved every minute of it. And sometimes so it's ladies, like, I didn't see that coming. <laughs> <laughs> so, so ladies and gentlemen, if you have questions, if you're a parent of a child that is beautifully unique, allow them to be great. There's several things I say at the end of the show. One of them is we're all on a journey, and sometimes that journey is a little bit convoluted and a little bit dark and dreary. So when you're out and about and someone seems less than pleasant, smile at them. Find something kind to say to them because you may save their life. And people will forget what you look like, they'll forget your name, they'll forget what you're wearing, but they'll never forget how you've made them feel. And I hope and pray that everyone, guest, co-host, listener, understands that you're the most important person in the room and that you're very special to me. And I've made many, many friends and many, many lifelong friends from this show and from from the people that, that I deal with every day. And I love them all. Also, if you want to achieve greatness, ladies and gentlemen, be a Ronnie. Do not ask permission. You go out and you do it. It doesn't matter the color of your skin, your IQ, the length of your hair, the color of your eyes, what religion you are, what country you're from. If you want to achieve greatness, go out and do it. And remember, you want to be a Ronnie. Because he has achieved greatness that is not offered. So be a Ronnie. He will come back. He has already said he will come back. And I'm very, very grateful. Ronnie, thank you so much. Julie, thank you so much. Ladies and gentlemen, we will be back again tomorrow night at 8 o'clock Eastern Daylight Time with the one and only author Taylor Dawn. She's always so funny. And get in contact with Ronnie. If you've got questions, he'll answer them. He'll help you. Trust me. Buy his books. Read them to your children. Teach your children to be great. Until tomorrow night at 8 o'clock Eastern Daylight Time, I am your host, Yvonne Mason, here at Off the Chain, 
with my co-host, the one and only author, and my friend, Julie Morgan, and the wonderful, wonderful, wonderful author, Ronnie Sidney. We'll see you then. Ronnie, stay online when the show goes dark. Someone tell you something. Okay. Okay, we're off the air, but everything we say will show up in the archive part of the show. But what I wanted to tell you, and Julie knows this because I'm going to tag Julie in it too, is when the show goes when the show goes into archives after we close out the show, I will put it up on my Facebook page. I will tag you the link. I want you to take the show and I want you to spread it everywhere. Tomorrow, when I put it up, all the some of them automatically integrate from the show. I will also put those up on my Facebook page, and I will tag you in it. I will also tag Julie. I want you to take this show, and I want you to put it on all your social network. This is how we get 200 countries of listeners and 200,000 listeners in 200 countries is because of all these podcasts plus the show. So you're going to be heard in places you never thought you would be heard. Awesome. Thank you so much, Yvonne and Julie. You You're welcome, so, Ronnie. You you are so welcome, my friend. And we will get you set up for after the first of the year because we didn't even talk about trauma and disabilities. But we will do that next time. We will talk about so many other things. I've got to go check on my husband. My sitter just came to the door. Apparently, he's not doing well. So I will let you both go. And I love you both very, very, very much. All right. Talk to you later. Thank you. I will, honey. Talk to y'all later. Okay, bye, Good bye, night. bye, Ronnie. Good night. Okay, bye-bye. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.